even though he has the mask on, when he says, it's too late for me, you can see and hear the guilt yeah. over years and years of, you know, when he went from like, oh, I can fix everything. I can make the galaxy. I can make the galaxy great again. <laughs> I, can, I can save you. You don't have to, you know. Hello, fellow geeks. This is Jay Shear, host of the Story Geeks podcast and co-founder of the Reclamation Society. We love diving deep into our favorite sci-fi, fantasy, and comic book stories. Today, we continue our deep discussion about my favorite geek universe, Star Wars. This is part two of our episode specifically on The Phantom Menace. I am joined by Michael and Lisa Young and my co-founder, Nathan Sheck, and we are reviewing and discussing episode one of George Lucas' epic series of films. We'll be discussing the story, the characters, and the major and minor themes weaved throughout the film. If you haven't seen Star Wars Episode I, The Phantom Menace, be warned that this episode does contain spoilers. If you don't want to be spoiled, go watch The Phantom Menace before you listen to this podcast. If you miss part one, there's a link in our show notes to that episode if you want to start there. All right, let's pick up where we left off and dive back into The Phantom Menace. All right, so moving on to the next question. Um, The Jedi are highly concerned with fear. So the questions that just come to mind as I think about that are like, one, what about fear is dangerous? Um, and is there such a thing as healthy fear? So Nathan, I'll start with you on this one. Yeah, I would imagine there is such a thing as healthy fear. Um, but it, it feels like that's not really what they're getting at. It seems to be more that fear can be a catalyst to wanting to control things maybe more than you should, um, which as we just talked about, um, is is basically what people end up using the dark side for. So I think it's, Yoda says it kind of, it leads to multiple things that eventually lead to the dark side and, and other things. So it seems to m- mainly function as a warning sign, I guess, um, as opposed to being afraid at specific points. It's more like, are you are you continually operating within this framework of fear? Because then, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to, probably try to find some way to get out of that and Hmm. and the answer may not be good right what's your take michael well it it goes uh right in line with what nathan was just saying as far as you know trying to control it because you know as jedi we kind of have the power to control this Hmm. and we shouldn't because we want to maintain balance so if we're starting to tip the scales, even for ourselves or our families or loved ones or whatever, we start to go down a path of, well, I could control this. I just did it one time. Mm. I'll just control this next thing. Mm. And then you start to, you start to, I guess in this case, or as a you know force user, you start to put more stock in yourself than in the force. Mm-hmm. Um, and you start to you start to say, well, like I'm great because I can do this. Sort of like um, uh, man, who did uh, who did Palpatine learn under? I'm 
completely. Oh, please, off. please, please, yeah, yeah please. He could control life and death, and every, and you know, right. then he, you start to think of yourself as like this all-knowing, all-seeing, you know, mm. all-powerful, and then that power, of course, corrupts you. So you know, all of those things is kind of like the dominoes, like you know, like Yoda was talking about. Like, yeah, fear leads to this, leads to hate, leads to suffering, leads to, you know, and when you're like, no, I can control, I can stop all that. You know, like even Anakin, oh, well, in a, you know, in a theoretical movie, he's <laughs> like, you know, I can fix everything. I can make everybody, I can make the whole world amazing and I can stop people from hating each other. And mm-hmm. I can, you know, I can even save you and I can, you know, and you start to think of yourself better or higher than you should. Mm. And that's when the, you know, I guess, you know, the nihilism, the narcissism, whatever kind of creeps in and you know, next thing you know, you have a red lightsaber. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. What about you, Lisa? What, how would you add? Um, I think fear can be dangerous because I think one big element of fear is selfishness. Mm. Because you're thinking about, you know, what I need, what I want, mm-hmm. what, why I'm afraid of this because it affects me in this way. And I think in, in terms of um, the Jedi, you, everyone has to be on, on one plane in terms of your purpose. And if you're operating in fear, you're not operating in the purpose of everyone. Mm. You're operating in the purpose of what it is that you're afraid of and what you're going to do about it. Mm. That's awesome. So basically, you guys stole all my answers. And I think that's awesome. So I'm going to move on because you guys are amazing. The one thing I will say is that um, our fan film, uh, Star Wars Rivals, which, by the way, uh, Lucasfilm has put out a trademark request for Star Wars Rivals. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, they're going to get a cease and desist order. But um, Well, uh, hurry yeah. up and watch it, guys. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but uh, Star Wars Rivals was built off of the concept of uh, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hatred, hatred leads to suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about verbal abuse and bullying and what that does um, in community. So. There's my plug for that film. Go check it out yes, on YouTube. Yes, go check it out, guys. Um, all right. So, uh, moving on to the next question. Um, so, do you guys think, and Michael, we'll start with you first. Do you think Obi-Wan uses the dark side to defeat Darth Maul? Why or why not? Not because you can't cast out dark with more darkness. Mm-hmm. You can only cast out dark with light. Mm-hmm. So, he, you know... Even though, yes, of course, he had to cut him in half, you know, you you have to get rid of evil. You have to abolish it. You have to crush it. You have to exterminate it. And that's how he exterminated him. Um, and it, if he would have, if it would have been a situation where he like tortured him or took joy mm-hmm. in it or something like that, that's different. But he just, you know, he just kind of like ended the conflict and didn't. I guess revel in it or anything like that. It was more of, this is my duty because I have to do this to protect people. Mm. Um, I have to do this to protect the order, to keep balance, all of that. But I'm not doing this because I'm in cold blood or something mm. like that. Mm. Um, so that's why I don't think it was a dark side. I think it was, he was, you know, above board with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what do you think, please? I think it's a little bit deeper than that. I don't think we could really know. I think only mm. he could really know because mm. I think it's really dependent upon his his true intention. Yeah. Were you doing this 
for your own purpose, your right. own purposes, yep, yep. you know, just to make him suffer. You wanted to be the one to make him suffer and then say, mm-hmm. look what okay. I did. I did this, you mm-hmm. know. So I think it's dependent upon his intention. And he did just take out Qui-Gon. So it could have been a little bit of that in there. Like, yeah. And it know, doesn't have maybe... to be either or. That's the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah, exactly. Could be a little bit of both. Um, that's fantastic. There's some deep things out there. What about you? What about you, Nathan? Yeah, I was mostly with Mike on this, because um, obviously the they have lightsabers to kill things, basically, you know. So if <laughs> this isn't the first time I'm sure a Jedi has ever killed someone, um, they are knights after all. I think so, that they're used just to chop off arms in cantinas. Right. I think that's it. That's it. And doors. They're yeah. just yeah. open keys. doors. Yeah. Right. Um, lights. Yeah. But. But yeah, on the other hand, you know, we do know that Obi-Wan did look pretty angry, um, you know, and, and again, he had a reason, but so yeah, there, there might've been a little bit of, of selfishness in there. And again, I guess the question is how far that went. Um, and again, not to bring other things into this too much, but it, this actually seems relevant in that in a recent episode of uh, the Rebels TV show, um, which I don't know if any of you have, have watched, but, <laughs> okay. Yeah, so essentially, you know, we've known since the Clone Wars TV show that, that Maul didn't actually die during this. He, through a long sequence of events, he eventually came back. Um, and in, in the la- this last season of Rebels, he's actually, he's, angrier than before he he hates obi-wan and he's been trying to track him down uh so he can get revenge on him once and for all and he does eventually find out that he obi-wan's hiding out on tatooine for some reason um and obviously this this takes place a few years before uh episode four and maul confronts him and it's so this is this is basically another chance to kind of have this conflict play out and it's interesting that it it appears that obi-wan has grown a whole lot since since phantom menace and he at first doesn't even want to fight maul and it's not until maul essentially deduces that there's a reason obi-wan is on this planet and that, that, you know, he's protecting someone. And at that point, Obi-Wan's basically like, okay, I, I have to fight him now because the Sith cannot know about this. Um, mm. Which, again, is, you know, essentially what we were saying, like, before. But it's, it's a lot more obvious here. Whereas before, we, we couldn't really know what he was thinking. But here, it, it really shows, you know, he basically says what he's thinking. And, yeah. and we have the battle. And actually, that battle's even quicker and which is really cool yeah. and th- there's there's other cool stuff with it but we can, basically he defeats him very quickly um again because he's he, it's not like he revels in it it's just something that needs to be done and he he basically even like holds him while he's dying and yeah. they they exchange some words etc but so i think it's interesting that even though we don't really know his mindset uh, in this first encounter, 
if it's anything like the mindset in this other one, then I think it's, it's, it's definitely not anywhere close to dark side related in that second one, at least. So hmm. whether, whether the first one had a tinge of it, you know, maybe it did, but at least if it did, he at least grew out of that, I guess. Hmm. So I'll have the most controversial take because I will say, I don't think he was using the dark side when he actually chops them in half. I don't think that's the case. However, we see two things that lead me to believe that there, that he does use the dark side before he's kicked off the ledge. And that's one, he's not meditating. So whereas Qui-Gon yeah, meditates, okay. he's agitated. He's already agitated. And then when Qui-Gon is killed, he goes into full like rage mode. And so that's where I think he turns to the dark side because he wouldn't he wasn't meditating. He gave into his emotions he for a second. He gave into his emotions for a second. Then I think he then I think he kind of like when he's hanging there, I think he goes back to, oh, I, I need to be more focused. I can't just be on the dark side anymore. I need to be a little bit better about this. And I do think that, like as you guys talked about, he grows extensively across the rest of the, the yeah. series. But that's where I would say I think there's a moment there in that fight where he does turn to the dark side. Now, I know... I mean, turn to the dark side is too strong. He, well, yeah, he, he, he kind of gave in a little yes, bit. Yes, yes, yes. Now... I know we're talking about Phantom Menace, but do you guys mind talking about that fight, the no. final fight with um, Darth Maul and Obi-Wan have a history. Mm. They have a very long history together. Uh, probably, maybe even Obi-Wan's first real fight. Um, True. And maybe even Darth Maul's first real fight. Mm. Because we don't know, you know, he's still an apprentice. So they may have met each other on the battlefield as boys mm. and then meeting each other on the battlefield as men later on in life. And both of them are old, you know, you know, uh, yeah. Darth Maul is walking with the cane. Obi-Wan is not as spry as he used to, <laughs> but the, where Obi-Wan has grown into kind of like, yes, I live in this world that maybe I had a hand in making sort of mm. maybe possibly but he seems more at peace. Mm. And Darth Maul seems like he has never gotten his closure. Mm. And, you know, Darth, I mean, Obi-Wan doesn't even seem like when he shows up, he's just, he's just like, hey. You know, he's <laughs> like, he's like, you're you're just as angry as you've ever been. Uh, you know, yeah. he's like almost like almost like he's sorry for him. Yeah. He's yeah. like, you're still you haven't moved past whatever. Right. And the way he ends it says a lot about... Now, of course, I feel like we were sold a different episode than we got. Ah. That's that's a Lucasfilm thing. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I do like the way he ended the conflict because it just showed the, the growth and the mastery mm. that Obi-Wan has gained over Darth Maul when all this time you're like, man, Darth Maul is so cool. And then you realize like how stunned in his growth he was. Right. But it's weird because he was able to feel that there was someone else there Obi-Wan was there for. Right, right. But just the way he, it was, I think it was, I think I counted and said in my review, it was three moves. Three moves and that was it. Wow, yeah. Three moves and, you know, it's, but the, the way he held him was just, it was, 
it was sad. Mm. You know, it was mm. almost like he didn't even want to do it. Yeah. Like, if you would have just left me alone, I would have let you live. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of weird. So what do you guys think about their, I guess, their history, their relationship that they kind of had? I mean, uh, of course, it wasn't the greatest relationship, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll let Nathan answer, because I actually haven't seen any of Rebels yet. Oh, okay, okay. But, but um, I listened to all the podcasts, so I've heard okay. all about this <laughs> several times. <laughs> but, um, and, and Nathan and I actually talked about it on our last podcast. But, but, but just, just to bring this up and, and kind of circle it back around to what Lisa said before, and fear, and, the, and, the, and fear being, especially when it's self-focused. And I think that's mm-hmm. like... When you see, when you, when you get an indication as you guys have described to me the scene, I'm just thinking in my mind like, well, Obi-Wan, he's, no, he's not self-focused. In fact, the whole reason he's on Tatooine is there to it's protect, to protect. Yeah. right? And so he, he's not self-focused. He's like, what will be will be, and I can't help you if you're going to be so self-focused that you can't let any of this stuff go. Like, I don't know what to tell you because I'm over it, right? Like, so yeah. I don't know. But Nathan, why don't you come in since you've actually seen that episode? Yeah, I don't. I don't have a whole lot else to add um, other than, you know, it, they have they have had more of a past in the, in the Clone Wars show than even just Phantom Menace. And what's also interesting is not only, you know, obviously the relationship starts with, with him killing Qui-Gon, but then later in Clone Wars, he actually kills Obi-Wan's, like, sort oh, yeah. of almost girlfriend. Um, yeah, because there's definitely a history there, but they don't they don't spell it out for you. But they they probably had some relationship <laughs> at, at some point, right? So it's it's interesting. So it's you know it it's definitely not just a case of oh yeah, so Obi Wan beat beat Maul way back in Phantom Menace, and so Obi Wan's over it and Maul isn't. I mean that kind of makes sense, right? Like oh <laughs> Maul lost. And, but, but they've had other interactions since then. And it's actually, Maul has had some victories over Obi-Wan and he's done some terrible things to Obi-Wan and the people Obi-Wan cares about. So even after all of that, to still have him get to that point, that's even more growth than you might expect. You know, if all you knew about was those two encounters. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I like the tangent. Star Wars fans, we are giving away two very special Star Wars prizes to Reclamation Society email subscribers. If you subscribe to the Reclamation Society's email updates, you are entered to win the Art of Rogue One. But thanks to a special donation from Daryl Smith, who is also one of the other hosts of the Story Geeks podcast, we have a second prize, a never-before-watched copy of The Phantom Menace on VHS. That means we have two super cool collector's items, and all you have to do is subscribe to our email updates. Which, by the way, you should do anyways. So, go visit www.reclamationsociety.org, and you can enter to win there. The link is in the show notes, so go subscribe now! Okay, so, both Jedi and Sith are supposed to be mindful. Because even, even uh, Darth Sidious tells Darth Maul to be mindful. And so I'm wondering a couple things. Like, what exactly does that mean? Does that mean that the light side and the dark side are both communicating potential outcomes to the Jedi and the Sith? Like, is the Force at odds with itself? And then people need to be mindful of what the side that they're trying to listen to is saying to them? Or exactly what is 
Exactly how does that work? Why would it... Because it seems to me like... Well, I'm just going to leave it there because I have my own answer to this question. Yeah. But like, we'll start with Michael. Michael, what do you think about that? It's always, it's always hit me in different ways, like be mindful. Because, you know, they say, you know, be mindful of this, be mindful of that. And they say it a lot. And the only thing I can surmise, I guess, is be mindful of like the now yeah. and also be mindful of your power. Mm. Um, because you can almost affect any outcome you want. Mm. Even Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon cheats in a dice game. (laughs) Straight up. He just cheats in a dice game. And he should never be allowed in Vegas. (laughs) Qui-Gon's rich on the side. He's just super wealthy. (laughs) Yeah, it's like a nice nest egg. (laughs) But um, it's like, I think it's being mindful of your power. And then on the Sith side, being mindful of the things that you have, like the balls you have in the air right now. Uh, Because we're still trying to hide. So you can't just go off killing people. mm. You can't go, uh, you know, doing large disturbances in the force. Uh, You can't kind of like be seen. Mm. Because the only, because even um, it said later, uh, I believe they, in Rebels series, they call them the Red Sabers. Mm. But, you know, if anyone was to see them, um, and I think uh, in one of the Clone Wars episodes, they were like, yeah, it was a Jedi. He was here. He had one of those swords. Oh. And it's like, you know, you want to be mindful of that because you don't want the Jedi to know that we're back Got or it. that we're coming back. So I think the Jedi is more being mindful of your power and being like keeping yourself in check. And the Sith is being mindful of let's not tweak too much let's not disturb too much because our plan isn't done yet yeah yeah, yeah. um at least that's how i've always seen it yeah i like that i like that what do you think lisa i think be mindful covers a lot it is be mindful of your power be mindful of our purpose Mm -hmm. uh be mindful of what you're doing in every moment Mm. and i think that's probably why it's said just as that be mindful period because it covers so much also be mindful of you know, if you're um, a Jedi, be mindful of what the Sith are doing and mm. vice versa. It's, it just covers a lot. I think it's just a way of reminding you, think before you do anything. Yeah. Because it can be a domino effect. Right, 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 right. That's good. What about you, Nathan? Yeah, that basically makes sense. Yeah, just pulling a tree beard, you know, don't be too hasty. <laughs> <laughs> tree beard can't be, can't be hasty lord of the rings tree beard yeah he's kind of slow to begin with um all right so here's the only thing that i would i would this is the one thing i'm trying to always uh question when it comes to the force right because i there's sort of two trains of thought with the force and how the force works in my mind and train of thought number one is that the force controls the people who channel it Right. And so like, so like, I don't do anything necessarily of my own volition. I let the force dictate. Kind of like let the force flow through. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and so if you apply that theory to both sides, you'd say, well, if I'm channeling the light side, I do good things because that's what the light side wants to see accomplished. Then you'd say, well, if you channel the dark side, then that means you're doing bad things. But then that gets weird for me because then I'm like, but why is there a dark side of the force at all? And again, that goes back to that balance comment about where does the balance yes. need to, to lie. 
The other view, which I tend to side more with, but I think that this is more me wanting it to be this way, not necessarily the way that George Lucas wanted it to be, is that the light side channels the force, right? And says, like, let, 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 the force yeah. is going to be inherently good. It lets it be what it already is. Exactly. Okay. Where the dark side actually manipulates the force yeah. and says, like, I'm going to take this power Makes and I'm going to use it however I want to use it to do the nefarious things that I want to do. Which so, is why it takes a toll on your body. Exactly, exactly. So I think you can either go with like one thought or the other. And, and I think personally, I like to side with the second one because I'd like to think of there not being the, the spirituality not being dictated by bad and good necessarily in that context. Evil, like it, it just would be, it sounds very strange to me to say that the dark side, if you... If you were channeling the force and you by mistake channeled the dark side for some reason, like you're just gonna do a bunch of bad things. Like <laughs> it just seems like I don't know, I don't know where to go with that. So that's only that's my take. Which is there a side that you guys prefer? Like which uh, yeah, I think I think the force does kind of like like you said, it's kinda or even like earlier with the Metaclorians, I think it's like either neutral or normally good. Hmm. You know, it's either just neutral, it's like it's just there for you know, it's just there, a part of everything. Yeah. Or it's tends towards good because it's like nature nature wants things to grow and wants life and you know stuff like that right. but you know then you do have the moments where the force kind of takes over where in Rebels uh, Darth Maul huh, once again Darth Maul <laughs> um, blinds Kanan yeah. And uh, Kanan can't see, and Darth Maul's like, "Yeah, I got the head, I got the the leg up on him, and I'm gonna kill him." And like the Force, kind of like, I don't know, I guess moves for him or moves through him yeah. and allows him to like handily beat Darth mm -hmm. Maul. Mm -hmm. um, and that's one of the moments where it gets very spiritual again, mm -hmm. where it's like, okay, was it him? Just kind of saying, I guess in a way, okay, midichlorians, hmm. I can't see anymore. I need your help. Hmm. Please do this for me. Yeah. You know, I guess in a way, spiritually saying yeah. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or was it the the midichlorians inside of him saying, he can't see anymore. We have to act. Hmm. You know, it's kind of weird. You know? Totally. totally. I, I think it just it comes back to like what I said before. It depends on what you have more of inside of you. Do you have mm. more light or do you have more darkness? Interesting. And I, so I think it becomes an individual thing at that point. You mm. know, do you have more light or more dark? That That's going to determine which way it goes. If you're tapping into the dark side and you have more light, there's going to be more of a battle or vice versa. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Like a theoretical grandson that might... <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, so now we're going to get into uh, a political question, which, which the movie deals a lot with politics, so this makes sense. But the Supreme Chancellor dispatches Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan to Naboo to meet with the Trade Federation because of the blockade they've set up in Naboo's orbit. Um, that's like the inciting incident that gets all of it started. Mm -hmm. Now, in our own government, we have this separation of church and state, although I will say that that's not always clearly defined. Um, so the question I have in relationship to how this works in the Star Wars universe is, in what ways is the relationship between the Jedi Order and the Republic helpful, and in what ways is it troubling? And I'll start with you on this one first, Michael. 
Um, I believe it's extremely helpful. Hmm. Uh, you know, for you know people, this is a objective, I guess, organization that we don't control. Hmm that we kind of like have meetings with and, you know, we confer with them, but we don't control them and they go into whatever situations they want and they, you know, fix them or negotiate them or, you know, make it fair between everybody. Right. Um, but since they don't work for the Republic, but mm. they do, you know, the Republic has them on speed dial, yeah. you know, whenever <laughs> they need, and they, and they listen to them, right. you know, they, so... If the Republic is ran by someone who is very manipulative and sneaky yep. and someone who's already shrouding himself, mm -hmm. the Jedi can be led into traps, right. which is what he planned for them. <laughs> but of course they got out, but he planned, you know, he, that was a trap. That was the first trap that we see laid for them, but yep. he lays it so well that Regardless, this is there's going to be a war in Naboo, yeah. but Palpatine was good enough to kind of stay far away from enough, far away from the conflict enough to make it seem like it was still just happenstance. Right, right. So in in normal terms, well, Valorum seemed to be kind of like a lame duck, <laughs> right. but well, I mean, I guess in our terms, but Valorum, I guess, was okay because he wasn't. He wasn't really dangerous. Right. He wasn't extremely great either <laughs> because Valorum is what led them to just a bunch of infighting and arguing anyway because he wasn't, I don't know if powerful enough is the word, but he didn't have, he wasn't a leader that, he wasn't a leader. You yeah. know, he didn't lead them. He didn't inspire them to be better. Right. I think Valorum kind of just liked the title. Right. And Palpatine was sitting there like, no, I want the power. Yeah. Like, you just like the title because it's fun to be chancellor. I've got bigger plans. Right. So that's how Palpatine sneaky got him out of the way. But I think the Jedi were probably kind of okay with Valorum because they were like, well, he's not inherently bad. Right. He's not the greatest leader in the world. He's no scientist, but, you know, he's, you know, he's not, uh, he's not doing harm, I right. guess. Right. Um, so I think it's a it's it's a helpful relationship as long as the leadership is kept on their P's and Q's. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what do you think, yeah, Lisa? That was a perfect segue in what I was gonna say. I think the whole purpose of the relationship is to keep balance and to keep neutrality. However, I think you know, as uh, political issues become more intense, it's hard. And yeah. that's where it becomes kind of, you know, like a little iffy, a little murky. Yeah. Absolutely. What's your take, Nathan? It is interesting. Um, well, I guess, first of all, it separation of church and state doesn't quite seem to apply as much here. I mean, obviously, the, the Jedi are kind of the spiritual side that we see. But in this context, they're essentially just kind of, you know, yeah, the outside kind of special forces, you know, Avengers essentially <laughs> that, that get sent in when they need it. And it's not like they're going around trying to convert people or being like, hey, while we're here, since you guys aren't Jedi, we're going to take over or tell you what to do, right? So it feels like the church state thing doesn't come into it very much. Um, one thing that's interesting is that it sounds like there is there is a process that that Valorum wants to go through 
to figure things out before, you know, before they actually commit to some sort of war. Um, and it actually seems like if the point is that this is a democracy, that, that kind of is the correct thing to do technically. And, and we hear, you know, even Padme earlier, you know, everyone's always talking about how great democracy is. And, but then even Padme can kind of succumb to Palpatine's suggestion that, hey, that, you know, democracy is great and all, but like in this one case, maybe we should like sidestep it essentially. And she's like, oh, okay, mm -hmm. we can do that because mm -hmm. it's my planet. Mm -hmm. um, so in that way, we can even see that Palpatine is able to find ways to essentially get everyone to do what he wants. Um, and, you know, not just the Jedi because they're supposed to be impartial, but even people who are specifically against, in theory, what, what he would normally suggest. Yeah, so a um, couple of thoughts to go to bounce off what you guys have already said. Um, I think we're at a disadvantage as viewers when Lucas is at the helm because he's very black and white with stuff. He, he just tells you, like we said, like in the crawls, like he tells you like evil empire. Like, like he just tells you straight up, like these people are bad, these people are good, just FYI. And so <laughs> I think if that, is, if that were the case, then we go, oh, Guardians of Peace and Galaxy, like, they're, like, like Guardians of Peace and Justice in the Galaxy, like, they're always going to be seeking peace and justice. Like, awesome. Like, that sounds amazing, right? Like, <laughs> they're the most powerful weapon in the galaxy, you know, we've seen sort of time and time again. Um, or at least they have access to the most powerful weapon, which is the Force. But I think it can also be seen as a much more troubling thing, because if you... We're taking it at face value that we should believe in the light side of the force. Like, we're taking it and we're seeing the light side of the force. We're going, oh, yeah, yeah, why, Like, why would you not want, like, the light side of the force? But if we take it from a more gray area context, we could say, well, I don't want to believe in the force. Like, what if, what if I'm, again, going forward to another movie, what if I'm Han Solo and I'm going, like, I think it's a hokey religion, dude. Like, I think it's crazy talk and I don't think I believe in it at all. Now all of a sudden, not only does the Republic have a viewpoint that it is dictating that people really adhere to, because it's saying they're the guardians of peace and, and justice in the galaxy, and we're going to use them as an arm to go out and negotiate for us. Um, but now you're, you, the Republic doesn't have much tolerance for anybody who doesn't want to agree with yes. the force and the light side of the force. So that I find a little bit troubling given our world so in lucas's world it's like yeah okay that's easy but in our world i'm like that is troubling dude like so because all of the separatists weren't all of the separatists weren't dooku right you know right, they, right. you know or what tyrannus um you know uh all of them weren't like that you know some of them were just and you find out in the clone wars animated series a lot of them were just like yeah the republic is corrupt and it was exactly or there's way too much red tape which there was yep you know even so much red tape that that's how palpatine got people to loosen that grip exactly. on democracy yep. it was like well you know this is just gonna take too long to vote. <laughs> right. why don't we just do emergency vote right now <laughs> right. oh we need somebody with emergency powers i mean 
I mean, I guess I could take it if you, <laughs> if you want, right. you know, and, you know, so, you know, like Nathan's right. He, he did kind of like just, you know, one move here. If we just, oh, if we just, if we just let's fast track this, yep. you know, I know we did it last movie, but if we just fast track just one more thing, because, yep. you know, there is a war going on and, you know, it's <laughs> taking a vote and we have to get the delegates here and just, let's just do this. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know, when you have that going on, the Sith deal in a lot of confusion mm-hmm. with this because they know that one of the largest things that Jedi have problems with is confusion. Yeah. Because Jedi, from every movie, they they do need things to be clear. Right. Like, you know, they meditate to be clear-headed. And, yep. You know, they take their time and they're mindful. But when you have a war going on and there's, you know, politics and you find out this, the banking clan and the trade federation, <laughs> you don't have a time, you don't have time to sit down and be like, let me meditate for like 30 minutes to an hour and let me focus on this. Yeah. You know, they were very good at keeping things very, very hectic. Yeah. For the Jedi, and then that was ultimately their downfall, because the only person that sort of could sit down and meditate was Yoda, but by the time it got so far that was Yoda was like, you know, we shouldn't be in this war. They were knee deep in the war. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Even when, even when they got to the point where they were like, you know what? Think Palpatine is dirty. It was way too late. Right. It was way too late. Right. That should have been some. They should have been looking at him sideways in the first movie. But of course, you know, you're just like, oh, hey, Naboo's safe. Everybody's happy. Who? Yeah. Eat that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, now we can go back to back to normal. Right. And, right. You know, it's so. I think that was a big problem with, you know. I guess the proximity that the Jedi Council had to the Republic is because they weren't, maybe they should have been more distanced from them. Right. Maybe. You know, now it's hard to say, but maybe. And I'm wondering if that's sort of where things are going in future movies, in in episode eight. Like, as yeah. Luke talks about the Jedi need to end. He he maybe has this history to help him make some of those decisions, right? Yeah. I don't know. And see, the, the thing with that is, since trailers are always out of context. I know, I know. You know, it's like, it's hard. Tell. Does he say that, like, in the first 10 minutes and then his mind changes? Or, you know, because we don't even know if he felt, I, I guess we assume he felt Han's death because Leia felt it. But Leia was also closer. Like, we don't. We don't know. Yeah. Like, maybe it's a situation where it's like, you know, the Jedi need to end. All of this is, it was a horrible idea. And it's yeah. like, no, you don't understand. Kylo has done this and he killed Han. And, you know, they just destroyed the Hosnian system. And it's like, whoa, what? <laughs> and then, you know. <laughs> it's like, hold up, what? Yeah. Oh, no, we need the Jedi back. Never it's mind. Like, uh, yeah, it's Jedi time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. I want a shirt, the t-shirt that says it's Jedi time. <laughs> Um, all right, so here this is this is. Well, I won't I won't give a spoiler alert to my answer, so I don't want to ask this as a loaded question. But when we're introduced to Anakin and Shmi, his mother, on Tatooine, they're both slaves. 
Yet, the concept of slavery seems detestable to the Republic. So, given that, what are your thoughts on how the issue of slavery is dealt with in this film? I think it's very surface level because they knew they were trying to sell this to kids. Mm. Um, you know, they have a child, sort of a child protagonist because we don't meet Anakin until about 30 minutes in or something like that. Right. But, you know, they're trying to sell, you know, you got Jar Jar and stuff. You're trying to sell this to kids. So you can't go deeply into like the horrors of slavery, which they kind of do in the Clone Wars series. Mm. But slavery seemed to be more of a separatist thing. Mm. Um, and... You know, they were, you know, even the, I guess the royalty were like, you know, slavery is a great thing. You know, it's, you know, it's wonderful. And, you know, the the Republic, I guess, from the separatist view, seemed to be more of like, you know, you think you're above us, mm. you know, sort of, mm. you know, like you're too good, you know, for, you know, for, I guess, questioning democracy or slavery or whatever else that we do. And... I think that they, I think they covered it to like open the door for later conversations, mm -hmm. but they didn't want to get into how crippling this was or what his mother may have went through because Shmi must have went through a lot for him to bring up, you know, hey, we're going to take your son, you know, I'm thinking about taking your son to, uh, you know, to the Jedi Council to be trained as a Jedi, she didn't break a step back. <laughs> she was like, get him out of here. Yep. You know, she yep. was like, take him. Yep. You know, she was like, because, and you can only imagine being a woman and being a slave, you know, you can only imagine what may have mm -hmm. been done to her. And also having a child that was born into slavery and whatever he was, you know, forced to do or he couldn't do or whatever. But he also did have friends. So it, it and you kind of see in the separatists in the animated series that different slavers handled slavery mm -hmm. differently. Mm -hmm. So Anakin did have friends, so maybe those were the rest of his like, you know, they were also slaves too, and they were like the same caste system or something sure, like that. Sure. But you can definitely tell that even though they they kept skirt on it. You can tell that it was obviously bad because Shmi did not try to hold on to him at all. Right. She was like, get her out of here. Right. Totally. <laughs> what do you think, Lisa? First thing I thought of, I feel like slavery in this movie is, is handled the way racism is for us. Mm. You know it exists. Everybody knows it exists, but you don't want to talk about it directly. Mm. And you're almost, you know, when you start talking about it, everyone wants to kind of start looking around. <laughs> and you want to, you know, just like when we were saying, when they came and said, you know, we're going to take your son, she's like, take him, take him. But no one wanted to actually talk about why, mm -hmm. you know, it was important for her to, to let him go. That the whole that was never talked about, yep. you know, at all. None of that is ever dealt with. So I don't know. The first thing I thought of was it's like racism. We all mm. know it exists, and we want to talk about well, this, you know, should be done, you know, to help these people. It's like, but why? And actually, it's it's even stronger now that I think about it more. That once you got into it, is because she doesn't know the Jedi from anything yeah. yeah but in totally. her mind anything is bad. they're not a cousin yeah. a yeah. uncle a relative anything to her yeah she just knows coruscant is a better place yep the jedi they're good just take them you know then I mean? it, it's 
it's sad when you start to like when you when you make it deep, then it gets sad. <laughs> yeah. But the movie is just like, oh yeah, this like so, <laughs> I know, exactly. right? It's this very, movie. Exactly. Like, <laughs> I, well, okay. So here's here's I think that this may be the biggest problem with the film. How it not only treats this issue, but then is a through line through the rest of the films. So the fear is a little bit, it's not palpable, right? Like we go like, why is Anakin afraid? Just because he misses his mom? No, because his mom is a slave back on this planet and he knows what's going on with her. But we don't really get drawn into that at all. And I think the biggest problem I have with this film and the biggest problem that I see in calling the Jedi Guardians of Peace and Justice is you literally walked into a room and the dude's like, I own some slaves. And you're like, okay, well, I guess I'll try to win them back. Win them back? Pull out a lightsaber and get the work done, man. Like, I mean, like, it's I right agree. in front of your I face, agree, yeah. right? Like, I, I do I, agree. It just is like, it's, it's, not even, it's not even an opinion of the Jedi. It's literally an opinion also of the Republic. Like, they put it out there like, this is not okay. Yeah. And it's kind of like, well, we have other important stuff to do, so like, I'm not going to worry about it right now. I just, that blows my mind from like a, from a storytelling perspective, because it one sets up, I don't believe you when you tell me that the Jedi are guardians of peace and justice. Like, this is literally right in front of your face. And you are... To, like I said, peace and justice for who? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And it's tattooing a separatist planet I can't even remember if it was. I think that they set it up as a hut planet. Oh, um, yeah, so it's oh like, yeah, it's run by the hut. So it's kind of like they're not separatists, or yeah, they're kind of like yeah. they're a crime family. So nobody really exactly. They nobody like messes with them. Really. Exactly, exactly. So I just this this sets up a lot of a ton of problems for me because one, I think that if they would have dove deeper into this topic, even with a kids film. I mean, we know like Disney deals with some I mean, intense stuff. they're cutting people stuff. in half, so why not? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Disney will present you with like moral dilemmas that are intense, and then yeah. and and that's, those are movies are even more for kids. And I think that they just kind of gloss over this really intense subject. Um, that I just think that that, that it, it kind of if they had set this up better, all three prequel films probably would have had way more emotional weight. Mm. Um, yeah. I do think you you would have had to back off the Jar Jar comedy because throwing that into this kind of yeah. line would be like really strange to throw in. Um, but anyways, I just had uh, it was yeah. The but first I forgot time. he did make that statement about coming back and freeing all the slaves. Yeah. I remember that. And of course, in the fog of war, that just got forgotten. Right. But you know. When he comes back, it had been years because yeah. there's 10 years between one and two. Right. And when he goes back, they're like, he's like, yeah, I sold your mom to such and such. Right. And it's like, it's just said with such a like, it's just said so easily. Yes. And it is kind of because, you know, you got kids in here and this yeah. is Star Wars. We can't dig. If, if like, if David Fincher had done this, <laughs> Like I said before, you know, it makes me think of how racism is dealt with. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's 
dealt with on surface. It's like, you know, it's bad. We can all agree that it's bad. And sometimes we can, you know, maybe talk about you know, it exists, but it kind of doesn't exist. And you don't want to dive right. into yeah. it. And it's dealt with the same way. And it's like, well, if we can't deal with things that actually happen in the real world, we're definitely not going to deal with it in a film. Yeah, right. Yeah, because totally. uh, even though, let's see what, Phantom Menace and all those were still under Fox, but... Disney did the movie 42 for Jackie yeah. Robinson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> when I went to see the movie, you know, it's a it's a good movie. It lets you know that Jackie Robinson played baseball and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. And he was black. You would yeah, and he was black. <laughs> but, but you would think that he encountered like two racist moments in his life. Mm. And it's you know, I know it's Disney. So I, I guess I knew what I was getting when I went in the yeah, in the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was just like you know, I think he because when you see it, there's there's a big moment when they play in Boston, I think, and then there's another mm-hmm. moment when he's like at a friend's house or something mm-hmm. like that. But it. that's pretty much it. And I mean, then you get like a whole bunch of people that are like, I don't like him playing. Yeah, and it's yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. like, but I think his life sucked a little more than this. Right, <laughs> it was more of, difficult. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of yeah. the same thing, or they touch on it just in a few moments. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's really interesting. Anyways. So we can move on from that question, but that yes. was, it hit me different this time than any other time I'd watched it because I hadn't thought of that because it's, it's sort of, it's glossed over. Yeah. And so I always just glossed over it. But this time as I'm preparing questions and I'm really diving into it, I'm like, wait a second, what? Just take care of it. Yeah, what are you exactly. Doing? We're just stop here for a second. Um, okay. So, uh, and I'll start with you on, on this one, Nathan. If you hadn't seen any of the other films, what would be your just your quick thoughts on Senator Palpatine? I feel like Lucas does want you to feel a little nervous about him. Yeah, just the kind of the way he he just happens to seem what he you know that he gets what he wants throughout the whole thing, um, and he's like, hey, maybe we should elect a new chancellor and then later he's come comes back and he's like hey it's me guess what Hmm. and i don't feel like you're really supposed to worry too much about it though which again is kind of the point um and the only time where it feels like you might catch on that there's something more going on is at the very end in Qui-Gon's funeral where Yoda and Mace are talking. They're like, you know, but who do we kill? The master or the apprentice? And then the camera just pans over to Palpatine and just watches him for a second. And obviously if you know what's going on, it's pretty obvious, but I also wonder how obvious that is supposed to be. Um, but it, it is interesting. I know, I know there was an, the, another podcast where they were going through the movies in order, like starting with episode one onward and talking to a guy who had never seen them before. And he, he even had the idea that there was supposed to be like Palpatine was supposed to go evil at some point, but for even through the first two movies, he was basically like, yeah, I, I, I thought people had said he was supposed to be evil or something, but he doesn't really seem like it. He just seems kind of like a politician. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah, definitely. Lisa, what do you think? Uh, my first thought was he's just, he's too conveniently helpful. 
you mm. know, and taking, you know, the other films out of consideration. It's like one of when you meet somebody and it's like, I don't know what it is about that person, but it's something about <laughs> them I don't quite like. You right. know, it's like that person that always has a suggestion about something but then it always involves them. Like, oh, I have this great book you should read. By the way, I wrote it. And it's like, mm, I don't know. Right, right. I don't, that's, that's kind of the thought I have about him. Yeah, he's like this underlying creepy vibe. Yeah. Yeah, in the first movie, you're like, like Nathan said, he's just a, you know, he's an opportunistic, slimy politician. You know, he's he's one of the millions of them. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Republic is full of them. And then you're like, Around number two, you're like, he's more successful at being slimy than the rest of these guys. Okay. You're like, he's a little bit better. Maybe he's a little bit smarter than these other guys, too. Because something, you know, like he said, he's always getting his way. Mm-hmm. He's always, and we, who knows how long it took for him to get up to the right beside Chancellor Valorum. You know, how much wheeling and dealing it took. Right. And also force manipulation as well. You know, uh, because you can make people think things and say things yep. or sign things that you want them to. Yeah. You know, sign over this uh, transfer of power or sign over this deed to this land or whatever it is or this sign over this act of war. So, you know, at first he seems like, oh, he's just, he's your basic politician. You know, he's sneaky. Uh, he's... You know, he's kind of like slimy, but he's not any more slimy than anyone else. And I think I think he was smart enough to realize that the Republic was corrupt enough to hide him. That's how bad the Republican had gotten. Mm. The Republic was so bad that it was a perfect place for a Sith to hide from the Jedi. Mm. And that's a problem. That's a a huge problem. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Hey guys, pardon my brief interruption here, but do you need a new pair of headphones? If you do, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Urban Vinyl. They make premium wood headphones that look amazing. But here's the thing. They're made by audiophiles for audiophiles, so they sound as good as they look. In fact, reviewers have called their headphones the best headphones on the market. Better even than Bose and Beats. And you know what? I agree. They're what I use when I record this podcast. Please consider purchasing a pair using the link in the show notes. If you click the link to their website and use the promo code J, my name, my first name, J-A-Y, super simple, you save 15% and Urban Vinyl will make a donation to the Reclamation Society. So if you need headphones or you're looking to upgrade the pair that you currently have, definitely take a look at what Urban Vinyl has to offer. Click the link in the show notes to visit their website and use my name, J-A-Y, to get the 15% discount. Thanks for letting me interrupt. Now, let's get back to the show. So, uh, at one point, Amidala actually says, I will not condone actions that lead us to war. And yet, by the end of the film, she's like basically leading a charge against both the, vo- the Viceroy and his Trade Federation army. So do you think your change of mind is acceptable and under what conditions does war itself become acceptable? And I'll start with you, Michael. Her change of mind 
I don't know if it's acceptable, but it's understandable mm -hmm. because the I will not condone actions that lead us to war. That's something that you say on like the news or whatever. <laughs> but the war is not black. The world is not black and white. You you don't know what you're going to condone. Right. You don't know what the Trade Federation is going to do. Mm -hmm. You don't know what's going to happen next week or tomorrow. So you can't say I will not condone actions that take us to war because you have no idea, especially when you're you're already sucked into this conflict that you know people are jamming your communications. Mm -hmm. Now they're putting troops on the ground. Well, what action are you going to condone to stop them from putting troops on the ground? Right. Are you going to have a bake sale? <laughs> like, what do you expect? You know, what do you expect to happen to get these droids off of your planet? Um, I think that's a deleted scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, I think the conditions where war becomes. I don't know if I'd say acceptable because I, I'm, I'm of the mind that nobody really just wants to go to war. Mm. You know, I mean, maybe the people that, you know, sell tires and tanks and stuff. <laughs> but no, <laughs> we're not, not going to get into that. But, <laughs> but, you know, nobody just wants to go out fighting and shooting and running for their lives and ducking and hoping that a building or a bullet or, you know, some shrapnel or whatever. Nobody wants to live through that. But I think when they got to the point where all democratic talk had broken down, uh, there was really nowhere else for the Naboo to go mm. because they're on their own planet. Mm. Where else are they going to run to? The Trade Federation has completely blocked them off for like you know supplies and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's like you have to fight now. Right. You know you have to fight for what's yours or for the freedom from their thumb. You know, so it's it's understood when someone fights back under something like that because what else were they supposed to do? Right. Because they had tried every other option. Right. So that's good. What about you, Lisa? I mean, I don't have a whole lot more to add. I mean, it's exactly that. I mean, you have to accept when someone changes their mind. When circumstances change, mm -hmm. then I would hope your mind would change. You can't just stick to one thing and not take into consideration. When circumstances change and when there's so much corruption mm -hmm. as what happens, you have to rethink. Yeah. That's the whole thing. You have to just kind of say, okay, let's look at this thing again. And okay, now we need to go to war. And I don't think there's any, you know, you can say that there's any um, particular conditions under which you go to war. It, it, it depends on, on the situation. You have to take your situation into consideration. Right, right. Anything to add, Nathan? Uh, yeah, just that. I mean, also the context in which she says that first thing is is when they're talking specifically about they're waiting for the Republic to negotiate with the Trade Federation. And this is, you know, right before the invasion, mm. but they have not invaded yet. And so she's basically just saying, yeah, she's not going to start a war um, because, again, she cares about her people. And she brings that up a couple times. And but by the time she gets back the war has already started basically and yeah. her people are dying. So she, you know, she never said I'm not going to fight in a war, but she did not want to start the war. Um, but it seemed like, yeah, once, once it looks like that's, you know, Hey, you're in a war, deal with it. <laughs> you know, she doesn't back <laughs> down from that. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Um, I think all of those takes are fantastic. The, the the one thing I would add is like it's it's an interesting question I think to ask. Under what conditions does war become acceptable? Because it is 
or at least I think it should be the last resort, right? Like yeah. it's, I'm always, it does seem like there are certain people in even, even in our world, not even considering Star Wars, that just have a propensity for like, whether it's, the first have, step is to just fight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, either the first step is to fight or like they have this. Like one thing, and I don't, I don't want to get super political or anything, but like one thing that like really concerns me with like um, Vladimir Putin is it seems like he almost wants to have a legacy of being a conqueror of some sort or something like that, right? I mean, this dude invaded the Ukraine, like, and I, I'm not, I just don't know where that comes from. Like, I don't know, I don't understand like what leads someone to say like, I want to conquer other and. Putting that into context, if if the Jedi were in this reality, would they have allowed that? Right. Would they have? Because I mean, no one stopped them. No, and, nobody. And without going too far, there were other parties that are outside of the U.S. that had the power to stop them. Yep. And didn't. So since they didn't, do the Jedi step in and right, say, you right. know, or do the Jedi not tip the scales because they're like, well, it's not the dark side. It's right. not, this is, this is kind of like a, a human, pro- not to, because Jedi are human, but you know, like, should we not step in because the, I guess the Republic is okay with it? Or do we go in and just say, look, we're overriding the Republic. You can't do this. Go back on your side of the border. Right. You know, that's, I'm, I'm interested to see, because I, I want to say that the Jedi would say no. Yeah. I'd hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's, it's just such a weird thing. Like, I know that if people are experiencing scarcity, there's a propensity to try and take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if someone's trying to take something from you, I can see like, like even just, I wouldn't even say war particularly, but like, I don't know, let's just say somebody ran in the house right now. I was like, oh, I'm going to take your microphone, right? Like I'd be like, whoa, what do you mean you can't take my microphone? Like, what is that supposed to mean? And, but I think like, how do people get there is a, is a fascinating question. Yeah. And I do okay. think it relates to some of the fear things that they're going into, right? Like, well, what yeah. if I don't have, and there's some good reasons. What if I don't have food, right? Like, yeah. but when we talk about war, it's like, you're talking about someone at the helm of an army saying, well, we're going to run out of something, so we better go take it from that other country or that other yeah. planet in this case. Yeah. Um, and, th- and this is actually more about uh, trade route, trade yeah. routes and taxes and stuff. So it's just, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, because you'd have to look back because we don't, I don't think we ever hear why the Trade Federation is there. Right. I'm trying to remember, do they ever actually state, like, what rule Naboo broke for the Trade Federation to block all trade to their country? I don't, I don't think I remember if they, like, cited, like, you broke this rule and we're here. You know, we're here in a just capacity. Or maybe it was something drummed up by, of course, Lord <laughs> uh, uh, Sidious. is like Something drummed up by him. So they knew they were kind of out of pocket in the first place. So they were just like, oh, 
well, we'll see how long we can stay here. And that's why they wanted to turn tail and run when the Jedi showed up. So this is, in my notes, I have taxation of the trade routes to outlying star systems is in dispute. Oh, well, I don't, they probably rate, what they did is probably hike the taxes up like three three times what they were. And Naboo probably said, we're not paying that. And then that's probably what happened. Yeah, that makes sense. It, it's probably like a, they probably was like, hey, taxes on this trade was $5. Right. Oh, well, now it's going to be $18. Oh, that's kind of high. Right. Why? Are you providing more service? Are you providing more protection for the trade? No, it's just higher because it's higher. Right. Oh, no, we're not going to have that. Right. You know, and then that's, yeah. So basically, so, I guess the blockade is basically saying, we're not going to allow any trade to happen yeah. because you're not paying your taxes. Yeah. Or whatever. So that. it's a domino effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. So, it, the it's trade federation, clear, I will say the that. trade federation yeah. shouldn't be able to do that without <laughs> going through the Republic, which I'm guessing they probably did, or George Lucas was like, don't worry about that. Look, all right, there's, there's a blockade. <laughs> George was like, look, there's a blockade. Stop asking questions. That's, that's yeah. your favorite term. Stop asking questions. <laughs> yeah, motivations and characters don't need those. Like, that's cool. um, all right, so uh, two final questions, just real quick. Uh, and this one might be a little bit more in-depth, but do you think the Jedi Council should train Anakin. And I'll actually start with Nathan on this one. Yeah, that's hard to know. Obviously, it seems like the council is worried about what could happen if they give him more information, you know, about this power he has. Basically, the two reasons they give, I think, are that he is afraid and that his future is clouded. Um, And, you know, going back to the discussion about why they take them as children. Yeah. Are are they basically just saying this isn't a good idea because we can't, you know, it's too late to kind of train that out of him. Um, Mm. In which case it really seems like they're saying, you know, he shouldn't be trained at all, but it is, it is interesting how basically, you know, both Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are like, okay, well, that that's great, but we're going to do it. And the council really doesn't do anything about that. You know, Yoda's just kind of like, hey, it'd be nice if you weren't as defiant as Qui-Gon. And, and Obi-Wan's like, yeah, that'd be nice, but okay. Um, and that, that's about all yeah, there is to think, it. I think Yoda says, train him, you shall, or something like that. Yeah. But I think he says it in a way like, okay, fine, fine. <laughs> right. right. Which, on the other hand, means they're not too worried about it. You know, it's like they're all kind of worried, but also don't really know what to think, which, you know, fits into the whole the future's clouded and the dark side's clouding things. And, I, you know, it, it sounds like they just really aren't sure what to do about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, well, okay, if you, if, you know, if you feel this strongly about it, go ahead. Um, but, mm-hmm. but, yeah, so the question is, I guess... I don't know if there's an answer to, like, should they or not. Um, hmm. Obviously, the fact that the council doesn't really approve to approve of him plays into, you know, in theoretical later movies, pushing him toward Palpatine more. Um, so if they had just gone ahead and, and accepted him and done it, it, it there might have been a different outcome. Hmm. Um but again, if, if no one had trained him at all, 
it, obviously there would have been another outcome. So yeah, there's, there's, there's almost just too much we don't really know about what it means to have that much, you know, that high level of midichlorians. What, what does the prophecy mean? Is he, is he basically destined to have some major impact no matter what anyone does? And so you want to try to point that in the right direction as much as possible? Or will things work out if you leave them alone? And yeah, the problem is we don't, we don't really know most of that. I think that the safe, simple answer would be no. And I would say no simply because the even the question of training him brought such conflict mm. in the council. To me, that's kind of a bad start. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. What do you think, Michael? I'd say yes because the power that he has, you don't want him to come into that power on his own. Mm. Um, because at least with the Jedi Council at least with them around they can help him realize that power and like Nathan was saying try to direct it and try to curb any you know any um, uh, I guess like uh, evil that might be residing or fear any temptations or, yeah that. temptations yeah. so because you don't want to leave that someone that powerful to come into their own power, you know, off on some planet by themselves. Mm. But he did throw up a lot of, you know, dust in the council for just being there, mm. just standing in the middle of all of them. They could feel, you know, the, the, uh, the trouble inside of him. So it's, I'd say yes, because you really you don't want him you don't want to send him back especially now knowing that he was a slave mm. you don't want to send him back to that and let him come into his power maybe after being like forced to do something or beaten to do something you don't you want to hopefully bring him into this serene atmosphere and maybe nurture it mm. out of him um and maybe that's why Yoda said it the way he did like you know, okay, fine. We'll we'll figure out a way to fix this and figure out a way to make him good. Yeah. You know, maybe that's why he said it like that. I think yeah. he said it that way because he was like, okay, fine, since we're going to keep fighting about it. But I just kind of saw an element of, so you guys just want to see how this plays out. I can already see how it's going to play out, uh, and I'm trying to stop it, but you want to go ahead and see it. It's like, it's, And it's I don't like want to control the... Yeah, because yeah, Yoda like is very... It's like the parent that tries to talk their child out of something, and then they finally say, all right, go ahead. <laughs> you know, and it's that condescending, go ahead, like, I already yeah, know right, what's going to happen. Like, yeah, right, right, right. That's kind of how I... It's like, all right, I'm going to get ready to take you to urgent care after you break your arm. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're going to just let me go in and warm right. up the car. <laughs> But you're right, because uh, Yoda, you know, Yoda can, you know, see, I guess, many possible futures. Yeah. And when he said cloudy, I'm pretty sure he meant cloudy in a bad way. Yeah. Not cloudy in a, you know, well, you know, it might work out. <laughs> I think he meant cloudy as like, you know, you're surrounded by a lot of anger. Yeah. You're surrounded by a lot of anxiety. And those that anxiety cloud, that anger cloud, that fear cloud, that scared cloud, that you know all of that worry and hurt cloud 
can only lead to one place. I might not be able to see Darth Vader, but I can definitely see the dark side right around the corner for you. Right. Um, and do we want to give you the tools to use the dark side? Right. You know? Um, so it's, it's weird. That's, that. I want to say yes still, yeah. but maybe, maybe don't let him go out on missions like you did. Right. Like maybe keep him, you know, like, You're grounded for like, years. <laughs> like, like you can train, but you have to train a lot of the spiritual side before you even touch a lightsaber. Mm. Like you're like in super deep, yeah, deep spiritual training yep. before you even like touch a lightsaber. Yep. Yes. With restrictions. Yeah. Maybe. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's also interesting that the other thing that obviously none of the Jedi know about is Palpatine. And, you know, if if Palpatine wasn't in the equation, then this whole thing might have worked out fine, basically, where it's like, okay, fine, you train him. We'll Mm. we'll try to get it to work out for the best. And sure, he you know, he he did some bad things. You know, he lost his temper with the sand people. You know, he killed them all, whatever. But it he (laughs) no big deal. Yeah, no big deal. Um, But basically. So obviously there were problems, and Yoda was right, no matter what, even if Palpatine wasn't involved. Um, but he could have probably just been a conflicted Jedi, and, mm. and maybe, you know, eventually, as he got older and wiser, maybe that would have, you know, decreased. But the one thing people didn't, that none of the Jedi took into account was that Palpatine was also just basically sitting right there trying to do his own steering of mm. of Anakin's future. So in that case, you know, it's almost like putting him in proximity to the Jedi, which also put him in proximity to Palpatine, you know, was a horrible decision, but not not <laughs> for the reasons they thought. Right. Well, so I think the question hinges upon a moment. The, the question I think hinges upon episode six and the ultimate decision yeah. that he makes. And in other words, the cloudiness is, and I don't think that Yoda can see it because I think like they have the dark side is influencing the midichlorian connection to the force. Yeah. Um, and so I do think that um, there, that cloudiness is basically like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I almost wonder if there would be no chance of his redemption in episode six if they didn't at least attempt to train him in some way, like you're saying. Yeah. Like th- there, there has to be something there to counteract his natural tendency to go to rage and go to the dark side. Yeah. So. Which is what makes six my favorite movie because of that conversation when Luke comes to him. You know, Luke comes to him as now he's a full Jedi now. Yeah. He's a grown man. Right. And he comes to him and he's like, you know, I understand you were Anakin who was once my father and once blah, blah, blah. And he's like, that, you know, that man, you know, that man is gone. Yep. And you see, even though he has the mask on, when he says, it's too late for me, you can see and hear the guilt yeah. over years and years of, you know, when he went from like, oh, I can fix everything. I can make the galaxy. I can make the galaxy great again. <laughs> 
I can save you. You don't have to, you know, I can save you. I'm better than the Jedi. I can do, you know, like he was spouting off all these things that, you know, I can do this better and I can save this. I feel like there's so much we can do with that. Yeah. <laughs> that might, might have to be my, uh, my like, clickbait headline. <laughs> Make the guys. Podcast. But a great t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, yeah. you know, you can see the weight of all that guilt like I'm it's too late for me. Mm. I've done every I've done everything I wasn't supposed to. I've been manipulated. I've been evil this long. I've even probably enjoyed some of the the things that I've done that I knew were wrong. Right. The little bit of light that was inside of me, I've let go. Yeah, I let go yeah. a long time ago. But now I'm looking in the eyes of my son and I'm wondering is there something? And I have a daughter that I haven't even met. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can feel her, mm-hmm. but I've never even met her. So now there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of emotion in that scene. Yes. That's a between. Of course, you know, I'm a I'm a man, so a father and son thing, yeah. and it's just it's so it's interesting to see him make that circle around at that time in his life. Right. Um. So I'd say yes because the Jedi. You know, you can't like leave a nuke like that. Just like, oh, we'll just just put him back. You know, we know he's already angry and has all these problems. Oh, let's just let him discover his powers on his own. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I do think um, that Cloudy is a really good description, actually, because as I think about it, like, like Palpatine, we don't know exactly what Palpatine's motivations are, but they seem just like he's just power hungry. Like, I want to take over the galaxy. But I don't think... Anakin really is that same deal. Like his, his problems with fear are coming out of real life circumstances that made him, yeah, or at least gave him a proclivity toward fear. So we go with, with Palpatine. He looks like he's trying to like really control things from a negative perception because he wants power. But I don't think Anakin start, starts out that way. Like you said, he wants to actually make the world a great place. Like I want to. I want to do this. I don't want to give him like pure-hearted motives because he's being yeah. very selfish about it. He's yeah, but it's that it's that need to or that want to control, and the power to control it exactly. that that allowed him to easy you know easily slip into that role. Exactly. And that I think the anger about things aren't going the way I want them to go as quickly as I want them to go there. Yeah. yeah. So I'm gonna like force it. Ha! I'm gonna for I'm gonna force it to go there. <laughs> and like even Palpatine knew. That's why he was like. He even had the power over life and death. Yeah. Because he knew about the, you know, he knew about the nightmares and stuff. So it was, that's probably one of the best things about the prequels is how Palpatine moves. Yep. That's probably the best yep. thing. But yeah, that's, yeah, that's how I feel about that. That's, okay. man, cool. Good. Let's just do some real quick final thoughts about the Phantom Menace. And, and just kind of thinking in this way, like, does George Lucas have some important things to say through this film? And why or why not? So who wants who wants to start with that one? Do you want to start, Lisa? Um, I think it goes back to you know what we said earlier. This isn't the deepest. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I think this was the purpose of it was to give us some background information and um, link some things together, and that's pretty much what happened. I mean, we've been able to kind of dive into it and. and uh, draw our own conclusions mm-hmm. in in our conversation about it, but I don't think uh, he himself went any deeper than that and gave us anything any deeper than just background and history. Yeah, what do you think, Michael? Um, similar. I think there's 
Phantom Menace is kind of like I said, it's a lot of good things. There's some great moments in there, but the movie itself is not a good movie. Right. But you almost wonder now, and I haven't seen every George Lucas interview, so maybe this was his plan, but you know, we've had some great conversations off of this movie. So the movie isn't, you know, a complete letdown. Right. But he doesn't really touch on the issues. He's just it's almost like here's an idea, here's an idea, here's a here's an idea, roll credits. Right. You know, right, right, and right. and he doesn't really drive any points home. He doesn't really focus on a character's story at all because we have so many there's so many things going on that you don't really get to focus on a person's story. So, I mean, you know, looking back, maybe that was his idea. I was going like, to say, how do we know that wasn't his birthday? That might have yeah. been his idea, like, hey, I'll make this movie and people will be able to get so much from it. But it, it just, it wasn't put together in a way where... I think people were able to automatically gain from it without us making it, us right. like diving into it, you know? Right. So that's, I'd say, it's a it's an entertaining movie. It's one that I think is worth watching, um, mm-hmm. if, especially if you're a Star Wars fan. Um, but I can't, I can't say that, you know, it's the deepest. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Nathan, what's your take? I don't know. That was a good summary. I don't have anything else. <laughs> <laughs> the only other thing I'd say, because I think that was a perfect summary too. Like I totally agree with what both of you guys said. It's it's not a deep film, but the one thing that Lucas did was that he built a world that had the depth if you wanted to apply it. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. So like, and, and I think that um, especially other filmmakers at this point and and other storytellers have done an amazing job. Like, Knights of the Old Republic, the video game, which is pretty old school now, is my favorite because they dealt with really, like, how do you influence other people? How do you become influenced by your own actions? Um, Really took it really, really deep. I think uh, in Rogue One, we saw a little bit more depth. Not so much character depth, but more like wartime depth. Yeah, which is cool because Rogue One is a film that I didn't think that I wanted but I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, same um, here. And it's, I feel like they didn't characterize the individual characters, but I think they characterized the rebels and the empire mm. very well in that film. Um, so that's why, you know, now I'm like, you know, it's it's open season where, you know, I'm very excited to see what happens next. Could not agree more. It's going to be super cool. All right, well, we are going to dig into lunch here, but could not thank Michael and Lisa more for coming out and chatting Star Wars. Thank you. Um, It's been a pleasure, and uh, we'll have a really... Just love to kick off the series this way. So thank you guys for joining me. Really appreciate it. That is it for today's podcast. Special thanks to Michael Young, to Lisa Young, and Nathan Sheck for joining me today. What do you think? Let us know. Write us an email at hi at reclamationsociety.org or check out our discussion board and community on mz.com. Our email and the link to the MZ group are both in the show notes. Also, head on over to thatnerdsoul.com to check out all of Michael's content. 
Now, that is it for The Phantom Menace, but we still have a ton of Star Wars films to discuss, including Attack of the Clones, the next movie in this saga. You don't want to miss it, so go hit the subscribe button right now. And if you have an extra minute, write us an iTunes review. And finally, as always, question everything in your favorite stories and always seek the truth.